る初夏地獄の軍団我らを狙う黒い影世界の平和を守るためゴーゴーレッツゴー輝くマシンガーチャンライダーキー Kamen Rider, Kamen Rider, Rider, Rider. Welcome back to another episode of Rider Break, the official podcast of Igadevil.com. I'm your host, Igadevil, and this is episode 6. We got a ton of stuff to talk about this week, so let's get right to it. Alright, first up, we have some Comrade Wizard news. As I'm recording this episode, A couple pictures of the upcoming toys have just hit the internet, so I'll take a look at them and tell you what I think. First off, we have the Deluxe Wizard Driver Henshin Belt, which looks pretty cool. And much like Denno and O's, there's scanning technology involved, so he holds his hand in front of the hand on the belt, which can rotate around, and depending on which way it's facing, he can either change his forms, or they call it a style change. Or he can use different magic powers.、Uh, so that's pretty cool. And the wallet chain like ring holder that I really liked,、uh, that looks like it's going to be sold separately, unfortunately, but apparently there will be a version of the belt that will include it. I guess it's kind of like with, I know with some of the Sentai toys they did that, where you buy the, I think it was with Gokaiger, it was like you could get the belt and the changer and a bunch of keys on one set, or you could get them separately, stuff like that. So、uh, I'll probably end up buying the version that has the holder because I just think that's a really cool idea. I'm going to need somewhere to stick all those rings. All right, then we have the Plow Monsters, which are kind of like the equivalent of the food droids or the can droids、uh, for Wizard. And they look interesting. I can't tell from the picture what exactly is going on if they're like. On some sort of card or something, and then they pop out, and I really don't know. It's a little hard to see, but we have a red Garuda, blue unicorn, and the yellow Kraken. I'm not really a big buyer of the sidekick robot droid guys.、Uh, they're cool, but they're not anything I really need. In this case, I don't know. I, I may spring for the Kraken, because、uh, <laughs> he looks pretty cool, and I'm a big fan of Kraken, so why not? Maybe I'll give it a shot. Alright, then we got the Deluxe Wizard Dragon and Machine Winger, which is this motorcycle and accompanying robot dragon thing that will attach to it.、Uh, and that looks pretty cool. I was hoping his motorcycle would have a dragon motif, and it looks like it does, sort of. And below that is, it's a little hard to read, but I think it says WAP, which is the sort of series specific figure line for this year, you know, like how、uh, we just had the The combo change ones for O's and the module ones for Forza. So, and, and it looks like their heads will light up.、Uh, and it's, it's, it's four different styles so far. So, those look pretty neat. I'll probably just wait until the figure arts come out myself. Alright, l and then we have the Deluxe Wizard Sword Gun, which is his weapon. And I know on the HAU Radio episode where we talked about this, I, I said I wasn't quite sure about this thing because it, it's kind of a mishmash. and You know, it looks weird with that, that hand and everything, but I've kind of gotten used to it. And, and looking at it here, looking at the toy、uh, up close with all the details, I kind of like it. I like how the blade flips out and then it flips back and you have the gun barrel. And, 
and the hand that becomes a fist. That's kind of a neat idea. You know, I mean, it's it's not like gonna be my favorite rider weapon of all time, but it's it's actually pretty cool, and I I might get one. I like how it has this whole color changing thing going on in the pictures below. It's a little hard to see, but yeah, I don't know. There there's something kind of appealing about that one. <laughs> All right, and one last picture shows the deluxe ring sets. And it looks like he's actually going to have power-up rings for his individual styles. Like, there's already a power-up version of the flame style shown. And these will, of course, include Gumbaride cards. These look pretty cool, and I'll probably pick them up. All right, so that's it for Wizard. And from there, let's move on to the last two episodes of Kamen Rider Forze. All right, so moving on to Forze... We have two episodes, 41 and 42, and wow, this was a great storyline. These last two episodes in particular were really, really good. Will definitely be in the running for my pick of episode of the year. I'm not sure which one I like more. I think 42 had the bigger kind of emotional moment in it, um, but 41 just had the mother of all twists near the end, and, and that genuinely surprised me, and... I like surprises like that, so that was a really strong one, too. Yeah, I've really been enjoying Forze up to this point, but these last two episodes in particular, I think they really show how good the show can be and how serious it can be when it really wants to be. Uh, Because all the goofiness and, and the fun, that's great, but when this show wants to get serious, like it did back in the, um, Cosmic States debut, and in this one, it's so good. I mean, I was just on the edge of my seat with these last two. Like, literally. (laughs) So, yeah, great couple episodes. In 41, at the beginning, we had a little glimpse of Sagittarius, who, before we even see him, just looks cool. Like, just as a silhouette, I thought, looked awesome. Uh, I think it's interesting that they've made Gamo one of the like regular 12 uh, horoscopes like I thought he would be something above them like he'd have the 12 guys as kind of his top men and top women um, and he would be something else but it, it's kind of cool that they've made him just one of them I don't know it's just it's it's interesting like I never would have thought of that myself I you know which shows how creative the writers are I would have been like oh well you know you got the 12 guys and he's the uh I don't know, super-duper black hole Zodiac or something like that. But I don't know. It's just cool that they did that, I think. That they they have these 12 guys, and they're all unique and different in their own ways, and they decided that they would make the big bad guy of the series just one of them. Like, I don't know. In a weird way, it reminds me of, as, as many things do, it reminds me of something from the older days, which is the Delzer Army in Commander Stronger. Which, again, I think it was like 12 different guys, you know, brought together by General Shadow, these kind of elite warriors. And, yeah, basically the final villain, I mean, there is kind of one more final villain after him, but but one of the the top final villains is is really just kind of one of them. Like, one of the guys that shows up, uh, one of the final three, is is sort of like one of the big bads of the show. And, And that's pretty cool. So they're doing it here, too, in a way. I thought it was funny that the only pictures anyone have of Nozama is her with her iPad. That just made me chuckle. The whole thing with Tachibana and the friendship is dangerous and, and the Ryder Club breaking up, that was so good. Like, I was really just drawn into that. 
because it it was it was interesting to see after you know a whole series of getting Tara talking about how we all got to become friends and doing the friendship handshake and he always wants to become friends with everybody and then suddenly being friends is this bad thing and it's it's getting in the way it's interfering with the kids' dreams and and what they want to do in life because as long as they're hanging around with Gentaro, they're at risk. So the way they all kind of, you know, as nicely as they can, try to get away from him, that was really good stuff. And that Kengo is the one who sticks by him. I really liked that. Like, he is kind of his, his... Of all his friends, I think Kengo is his best friend, in a way. You know, and Yuki, too. But Yuki's also got the whole thing where she wants to be an Ash and all that. So she was really torn up. Does she stay with Gentaro and risk getting set to another dimension or does she pursue her life dream and all that and, and it, yeah it was really good stuff um and once again i cannot believe that the school stays open after they had virgo just appear in the classroom like that <laughs> before the fight scene that was pretty funny and the fight with virgo was cool i loved her power of creating the sort of mini black holes that create these you know like almost take these chunks out of reality in a sense like they would take chunks out of the column and Stuff like that. That was a really good effect, I gotta say. And it was cool to see Fire States come back. And then it was cool when Tachibana shows up and he's all cold and says, like, I don't need friends and all that. And then we have some special training, you know, good old-fashioned rider training to save the day. Tachibana shows up and he's already prepared with a vase with a Meteor logo on it and everything. And I like that they took the time to explain how Meteor can transform without Tachibana in the satellite. He's got it on autopilot and everything. The scene between Tatsugami and Hayami there, the um, Leo and Libra, that was really cool. I like how they always have these meetings in like a casual setting where I, I remember back in the Kyoto episodes, they did that too. They were in like a bar and the guy behind the counter just doesn't care about what they're talking about. You know, they're, they're going on and on about the Astro switches and the Zodiarts and all this stuff. And some guy's just there, you know, minding the bar or making a steak and it's like, yeah, whatever. And then they go out and have a fight. That was good stuff. We got to see Meteor's bike again. And, of course, we had the TV show debut of Rocket States, which finally, once and for all, for the, like, two people who still don't believe it, made Mega Max canon to the TV show because Forsey pulls it out and he remembers Nadesco, which was a really cool moment. And then, of course, we have that twist at the end, which I did not see coming at all. I know it gets resolved by the next episode, but it still just blew me away that Tachibana turns into Virgo and then sends Meteor to the Dark Nebula. That was just such a crazy moment. And I was seriously just yelling at the screen at the end of that episode. It was That was really good. Now, I thought originally, when Libra showed up, the way that scene was edited was kind of weird. So I was almost wondering, like, did Libra turn Tachibana into Virgo as some kind of trick or something? But of course, as we find out in episode 42... No, that that was all done for real, so... But, yeah, episode 41 was really good. Really strong. Okay, so moving on to 42. Uh, another great episode. I like the stuff at the beginning there where Forze is just furious. He's attacking the other two, and they teleport away. And and like I said, you know, I thought they were going for some kind of fake-out, but no, Tachibana really is Virgo. And by relation, Tachibana is also Emoto, uh, who his whole story really kind of came to a close at the end of this episode, which was a surprise. I didn't expect uh, 
I thought you know he might escape and and might be around a bit longer, but no, they really wrapped him up this time. You know, le- while still leaving kind of one more mystery as to what exactly was he going to tell Kengo about his father and all that. So there's still you know a few more questions to be resolved, but. Yeah, it was really cool. This, this whole episode was just one surprise after another. I mean, I just really didn't know where it was going to go, and, and that's a lot of fun to see. You know, when you have a newcomer episode and, and you can't really predict what's going to happen. You know, I didn't think that... I, I thought after this, his days were kind of numbered, and, but I didn't think he would get killed off so quickly, but... Yeah, that was cool. So, but the stuff early on with Gentaro going to meet all the Rider Club members. Uh, again, really neat scene. I liked how Shun and Mew see the switch, and it's sort of like they can't escape from this life that they've been living all this time, you know, the, of the Rider Club and of, of helping people and stuff like that. They, they try to go back to a sort of mundane, regular life, and, and they can't. They're sort of... Maybe they've been driven a little crazy, I guess, by the, the fantastic adventures that they've had, and they, they can't stop thinking about it away, but... All during these scenes, I just loved how upbeat Kentaro was. Like, things are worse than ever, but he's not backing down at all. Like, he, he's got a plan. You can see the wheels in his head turning. And uh, it just it leads up to that great climax where he finally smashes the jar there, and or the vase, and tells Tachibana what it's all about. Tachibana slash Virgo, what it's all about, and becomes Cosmic States again. And... and, and it really is sort of him redefining his beliefs and, and sort of redefining what Gentaro is all about. Uh, that was just a really great moment. The whole, like I said, the whole episode is just, you know, the hits kept on coming with this one. Uh, the stuff with Sagittarius was awesome. The big fight that they have. I mean, he's a really tough customer, and they're going to have to work hard to beat him, I think. You know, like this. This was a great debut fight for him because he just kicked some butt. You know, and it was great to see Meteor or Yusei and Nozama come back because I wasn't expecting them to return so quickly, but here they are. And it was cool to learn about how the Dark Nebula isn't quite what we thought it was. Uh, and I wonder, you know, where that's going to lead now because there's still a bunch of people up there in that satellite. So who knows? But and then, of course, all the stuff at the end with, uh, you know, Virgo's ultimate fate, which, like I said, I didn't expect to happen so quickly, but it was cool to see, and they have that whole scene where he's in the rain and everything, and, you know, like I said last time, I'm just, I'm really surprised at how, you know, where they've taken this whole Virgo story, where I just, I did not expect it to be Emoto at all, and I did not expect to get so kind of attached to him in a way. You know, I mean, I liked the character, and I thought Virgo was cool, but when all was said and done at the end of this one, I was like, wow, you know, that was that was pretty powerful stuff. So, like I said earlier, you know, Forze, when it wants to get serious, it can get pretty serious. I mean, this this was some really heavy stuff and, and really good drama. You know, in addition to still being all the usual fun, wacky antics and, and everything, it, it was really strong writing and it had me emotionally invested, I guess you could say. I just I couldn't wait to see what would happen with this one. So, good on the writers for these last two, I gotta say. They really pulled them off well. And, and I hope the rest of the series will, will live up to these two. Because 
it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the next couple. I know uh, we're going to see the Gemini Zodiacs, who I'm really excited about because being a Gemini myself, uh, I want to see how they handle it. And it looks like, I think the theory now is that Yuki is going to turn into it, but people are thinking because it's Gemini, maybe it'll be like a Yuki's evil doppelganger is created or something like that. I mean, that it'll be interesting to see how they handle it and we're also going to get a little about Yuki's parents and and those should be interesting to see but yeah as for the, this storyline 41 and 42 just really good episodes really strong you know as always these are just kind of my off the top of my head thoughts and I'll probably <laughs> come up with something more organized when we get to uh, covering these episodes in HJU Radio where hopefully Keith will uh, will also have enjoyed these too because man I even if you haven't liked Forza up to this point, I gotta say, these last two were really strong. Like, really good episodes, and definitely worth checking out. Uh, but that's that's Forza for now. Alright, we're gonna take a little break, and when we come back, I'm gonna talk about one of my favorite episodes of the original Kamen Rider. If you're watching the show right now, uh, you may want to proceed with caution, because it's a future episode, and there's a couple spoilers for the series. This episode comes out, it will be July 15th in Japan time, and that will be the 40th anniversary of episode 68 of the original Kamen Rider series, which aired way back in 1972. And that is a very significant episode for me personally, because although it's not the first episode I ever saw, and it's, don't know if I'd call it my favorite, but it certainly is one of my favorites. Episode 68 is the one featuring Ika Devil, who is my favorite Kamen Rider monster of all time, and the one after whom I am erroneously named. Uh, but the way I see it is, if someone ever says, well, I hate Ika Devil because he he killed my family and ruined my life and, and damn him and all that, well, at least I know they're not talking about me, so I guess that's a good thing, right? Anyway, 
What I thought I'd do to celebrate is put together a little list of why Ikadevil is my favorite Kamen Rider monster, and talk a little bit about his episode, because it's a pretty interesting one with a very strange story to it. Uh, in terms of the production and all that, but I'll get to that. So here we go. This is my top six reasons why Ikadevil is my favorite rider monster. Why six? Because I only have six Shaka riders to work with. Number six! The rest of the episode. Okay, I know I'm cheating a bit with this one, but to me, the episode that a monster appears in really goes hand-in-hand with their character and the impact that they leave and all that, so you can't talk about Devil without talking about the episode that he's in. And episode 68 is a pretty strange one, but I like it a lot. It's, It's very quirky and very charming. Basically, it's kind of a turning point for the series because it sees the end of a major villain, but it also has the debut of the new Cyclone, which is the motorcycle that Rider One rides for the remainder of the series and, and really is the one that he's ridden ever since. I mean, it's gone through a few updates. I think in the 70s it gets a slightly new paint job with the blue around the headlights and all that, but episode 68 is where it appears for the first time. And it also appeared in the Kamen Rider vs. Ambassador Hell movie, which I think came out the day after this episode. Uh, so that was pretty convenient. But yeah, New Cyclone, that's probably my favorite rider motorcycle. I like the old ones a lot, of course, and I like a lot of the later motorcycles, but yeah, there's just something about that one in particular uh, that really appeals to me. So you have the debut of that. Uh, This episode is also kind of notable for having a very strange PSA message sort of smuggled into the middle of it where there were two major kind of uh, controversies, I guess you could say, that happened when the original series was airing. And one of those has to do with the Ryder Snack, which is sort of the predecessor of the Ryder Chips, you know, with the trading cards and all that. And I guess there was this issue where kids would buy the snack for the card and then just throw the rest away. Like, they wouldn't eat it. And and some parents got a little upset about that because they were like, well, it's teaching children not to value food and things like that. And it's pretty funny. But I guess, you know, the way they got around that is they just changed the flavor or something and, and kids started to eat it because it was originally supposed to be some, I guess, not very appealing flavor and they changed it. But, I don't know, it makes me laugh. Uh, but the other one was that kids would injure themselves trying to imitate Kamen Rider on the playground. Like, they'd try to do Rider kicks off a, you know, the jungle gym and stuff like that and get hurt. So, eventually, they had to start having little announcements, like, before and after the show, telling kids, please do not imitate the stunts you see on this series. Um, and in this case, it, they do it right in the middle of the episode, which is pretty funny, but they, they work it in very well, where... Rider 1 and Taki do a little training so Rider 1 could beat Ikadevil, who is also doing training, as we'll see. But the two kids of the show, uh, Naoki and Mitsuru, they, like, jump off of a cliff, you know, doing rider kicks, and, and the guys are like, what are you doing? You're going to get hurt. And, you know, they're like, but Kamen Rider's cool. We want to be like Kamen Rider. So Hongo and Taki kind of look at each other like, We'll show you just how dangerous it is to be Kamen Rider. So they have this great fight scene where they just beat the hell out of each other. And, and once again, you know, 
big props to Taki for being able to take the punches from Rider 1 that should, by all rights, kill a normal person, but Taki can handle it, so... Uh, yeah, it's just, it's really funny. I mean, I, I, I honestly didn't even notice it the first time I watched the show, but then after seeing it again a few more times and, you know, knowing the whole story of how it was sort of this ongoing issue where they, they didn't want kids to imitate the stunts that they saw on TV, uh, which is something that I think every tokusatsu show has probably had to deal with, but especially in the 70s, it's, it's funny how they really thought about the kids and were like we don't want you to imitate your heroes whereas nowadays i mean with all the role play toys and stuff that's like exactly what they want you to do is you know be like common rider kids but i don't know it's just really funny um but yeah that's it's that's a neat little part that they sneak in and just a lot of other things about the episode make me laugh but you know in in that good kind of way like i just i get a chuckle out of it like there's this scene where Tachibana has been kidnapped, so Taki and Hongo go to find his car, and they're about to open the door, and then Hongo's like, "Be careful, there might be a time bomb." <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a good one overall. It's a very weird, quirky episode, but I think a lot of that is due to the kind of strange sort of production that it had, and I'll get to that with uh, an upcoming reason. But yeah, the episode in, in general is just it's a really good one. The powers. Alright, and this is talking about Ika Devil's powers, of course. And, uh, yeah, he's he's got a really cool set of moves that, I don't know, just really appeals to me. Like, he's... But one thing, he's really tough. He's a very strong monster, because he is one of the big guys. He's one of the major antagonists of the series, so he doesn't go down very easily. He gives Ryder 1 a pretty good fight. He's got a cool tentacle whip sort of weapon. Spits this kind of ink gas stuff once. Uh, of course, in the All Riders vs. Die Sharker movie, we saw that he could shoot these deadly squid bombs, which is pretty cool. Uh, and the, but in the original show, he's got this power where he can actually control meteorites. Like, he's got this circuit in his head that allows him to manipulate the, the path of oncoming meteorites and direct them into buildings and stuff, and that's part of the evil plan. Uh, but it's really cool. He doesn't quite get to use it that much, uh, other than like at the sort of very beginning of the fight to get Ryder One's attention, but it's pretty cool. But one of the things about him that I really like is that he's got this move called, it's basically the kick killer, which is he, Ryder One does a Ryder kick comes flying at him, he jumps up and just knocks him out of the air. So basically, Ike Devil is impervious to the rider kick, uh, which I think is a great idea. I mean, I always like it when you have that as like a power that the monsters have. Like, remember the turtle guys in Agito who had the hard shells? They just turn around and suddenly Agito's kick can't affect them. That, to me, is just is a great power to give a villain in Kamen Rider because it's, it's sort of like... You know, the rider kick is, is the hero's kind of ultimate attack, at least traditionally. And to have some move that counters that or or to be impervious to that is like, whoa, you know, now we're playing on a whole different level. So I always kind of have this, this image in my mind that, like, if any common rider, you know, no, no matter how powerful they are, took on Ika Devil in a, a one-on-one fight, they better pull out some move other than a rider kick because he'll just he'll block it, you know, and probably a rider punch too, but 
Uh, that remains to be seen. Now, the funny thing, of course, is that there was another monster that had this exact same move in the episode prior to this, uh, but I'll get to that story. And also, in the actual scene when Ikido blocks the kick, it's the monster from the next episode, Gira Korogi, um, who jumps up and, and meets Rider 1. It's very quick, and yet you almost don't even notice it unless you're looking for it, but... Uh, that's pretty interesting, and uh, again, as I've kind of been alluding, this episode has a very strange story behind this production, but I'll get to that soon enough, don't worry. But yeah, Ikadevil, he's got some pretty cool powers. The evil plan. The evil scheme that Ikadevil has going involves controlling meteorites that he will then drop down on various parts of Japan to blow it to pieces and stuff like that. And, and that's pretty cool. But he's also got another uh, part of this plan, and that involves kidnapping Tachibana Tobe, forcing him to train him so that he can beat Kamen Rider in a fair fight. Uh, and there, I don't know, there's something about that that, you know, it's, it's simultaneously insane and awesome. Like, I just love that idea that, you know, Shocker was sitting around, and they're like, Kamen Rider keeps beating us, how can we beat him? And then they realize, well, you know, he's got this guy who, whatever, he's in trouble, and we managed to one-up him somehow. He goes to Tachibana and, and gets advice and gets training, and, and what if we had that? And, you know, they probably sit around and look at each other for a while, and then they're like, you know... That's actually a really good idea. So that's what they do. So they kidnap Tachibana. There's this whole subplot with this old friend of his who has been recruited by Shocker because he, you know, he wants to be on the winning side. He doesn't want to live in a world where he'll be killed and stuff like that. And it's, it's pretty good stuff. But yeah, just the whole idea of, of kidnapping Tachibana and, and forcing him to train Ikadevil to beat Kamen There's something really cool about that. And the scenes where they're training in like the Shocker gym are really funny. Um, the building that they use for the exterior of the Shocker Training Center is the uh, Tama Memorial Hall, uh, which is located outside of Tokyo. And I've actually been there before, and uh, I'll see if I can find some pictures of me there. But it's really cool. It's used in a lot of tokusatsu shows, a lot of the old days anyway. Kamen Rider, uh, it's in the first episode of Inazu Man, tons of others. Uh, and it was just cool to see it turn up here again. But yeah, yeah, there's these scenes where they're training in the gym, and you got some old monsters running around in the background, and you know, Shocker guys punching bags and doing somersaults and stuff like that. And it, it, it's just really funny how uh, you have Tashibana. He he's not mind controlled or anything. They've just kind of forced him into doing it. So he's like, "How do I get out of this one? How do I <laughs> how do I simultaneously train?" this evil monster yet yet also figure out a way out of this and eventually he escapes and it's cool how they they reveal what Ikadevil's weakness is which is you have to hit him in the head because that's where the control circuit for the meteorites is uh so you know there you go if you're ever in a fight with him that's the aim for the head i guess fellow riders out there um but yeah, he, he learns that because, you know, he's got this whip and he's whipping Ikadel. He's like, you got to fight harder. And so he hits him in the head and he's like, no, you idiot. Don't hit me there, you fool. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Just to me, the whole idea of, of the bad guy getting the hero's sidekick or kind of aid to help him. I mean, it's almost like, you know, if a Batman villain kidnaps Alfred and 
to fight Batman or something. It's just there's a there's a very wacky quality to it that that it really appeals to me. But yeah, that along with the evil plan to destroy Japan with meteorites, uh, it, it just makes makes for a really cool storyline and very memorable. And only a crazy squid monster could think it up. Well, basically, he's Dr. Shinigami. I mean, what else do you want? Uh, as I've said before, Dr. Shinigami is probably my top favorite rider villain for reasons I explained last episode. But yeah, I, I just love him. He's such a great evil presence. Amamoto, great actor. And like I said there, he turns into my favorite monster. And uh, it's really cool. Although the funny thing is, he almost wasn't going to become Ikidevil. He was going to become Girizames, who's the monster in episode 67. But uh, as I've been saying, this episode had a kind of funny production story behind it. And it basically, what it comes down to is, if you watch the original series, in episodes 66 and 67, uh, Fujioka isn't in them. And Rider One's voice is done by another guy. One of the guys who uh, voices the Shaka Riders, coincidentally, and, and various other roles. But Yeah, so the story behind that, I actually don't know all the details, so I'm just going to go with what I do know. And apparently, around the same time, there was uh, auditions for this NHK drama called Redbeard, or Akahige. And um, Fujioka, I guess, went to those and didn't tell anybody or something like that. I'm not really sure. That, from what I've been able to tell, it's like he, he auditioned for this other part and then just disappeared or something. And I don't know if it's that there was some miscommunication or that like because it was a different channel, it was on NHK, they didn't get along with Mainichi Broadcasting. And I don't know that what the whole story is there, but, but basically it, it has to do with a casting dilemma. That's what it's usually described as. And, and Fujioka suddenly vanishing. And so this made things kind of difficult for the, the crew. So they had to pretty much slap together these two episodes. Yeah, and these two episodes are, are really funny because they're loaded with action because with no Hongo in it, you really can't have that many dialogue scenes. So it's a lot of just Rider One running around kicking butt. But uh, 66 has a bunch of monsters come back and it actually has Kamikiri Kid who was supposed to be the new monster in Kamen Rider vs. Ambassador Hell. Uh, but he shows up in the TV show first, so there was actually kind of a little kerfluffle about that, where people were like, wait a minute, the movie's supposed to have a movie original monster, what the heck? <laughs> but he's not, so... And then, uh, for 67, that's another one they had to kind of throw together, but the monster in it, Girizames, is this shark guy, and he is actually, was originally intended to be the monster that Dr. Shinigami would turn into. Because if you look at him, and you look at Ikadevil, they have some very similar design elements. Like, they both have this kind of red cowl thing around their neck, which looks like what uh, Dr. Shinigami has on his cape. And they also, uh, Girizame, he's the first monster with a golden belt buckle. Because from him on till the end of Shaka, that all the monsters, they switch from silver to gold belt buckles. You know, and he was supposed to have the first one because that that's sort of special and signified that like the show's entering a new era and all that stuff. So yeah, it's really weird how he was going to be what Doctor Shinigami turned into, but because of this whole issue with Fujioka not being able to film 
scenes for those episodes. They were like, well, we can't write out this major character in an episode that doesn't actually have the star in it. So they throw together these two episodes that have just Rider 1 in them, dubbed over by another guy. And then Fujioka showed up, or returned, I guess, in time for when they wanted to actually film 68. So they're like, all right, well, we'll do Dr. Shinigami's final episode in that one. Um, so as a result, what ends up on screen uh, is still really good, but it's it's pretty messy in some ways. Like especially with in the opening credits of '68, it li- when it lists the you know the monster and the voice actor appearing, it still says Girizame. It, it, so it never actually credits who voiced or it credits who voiced Ika Devil, but it doesn't credit Ika Devil himself. And a lot of the action scenes in 68 are actually filmed in the same place where the fights in 67 were, because they were sort of... I think Fujioka returned while they were still doing scenes for 67, so they kind of had to throw together these scenes really quickly. But it's just... It's very kind of uh, haphazard in some ways. But I don't know. There's there's a certain charm to that. Like, I... To me... I'm very much a, like, a lumps-and-all kind of guy when it comes to the old stuff. I mean, I like seeing the sort of, you know, the issues that they had sometimes and the problems and, and the cracks and the suits and all that stuff. I mean, it, to me, that's that's all kind of part of the history and part of the organic process of how it all evolves. Like, you don't need to have a completely flawless product, I think, for it to be enjoyable. And, and that's certainly the case with the original series. I mean, you know, the differences that it goes through between just the first couple episodes with how they do certain things and there's stuff that they do that they never do again, and, and, and just stuff like that. All that is just really cool to me. I mean, I, I love that whole kind of roughness that the, the original series in particular has, and, and this is a, a prime example of it. I mean, it's they'd never be able to get away with this kind of stuff now, but back then they are like, we got to get this done, you know, get the episode out, chop, chop, and all that. So, yeah, but, um, you know, that's the story. So through one very strange course of events, uh, Ike Devil ended up becoming the alter ego of Dr. Shinigami and is forever linked to him now. And, and rightfully so, because they're both really cool. Number two. The design. This is probably the biggest reason. I, I mean, other than number one, of course. But for me, the fact that Ike Devil just looks awesome. I, he is such a great design. And considering the fact that I think Ishin and Warrior probably had to come up with him pretty quickly. I mean, because like I said, if Dr. Shinigami was originally going to be Kirizame's, and they had already kind of created this Kirizame's design and costume and everything, and, and suddenly had to do all this rewriting, then Ikidevil is something that they really sort of had to throw together in time to, you know, make the suit and all that, and then and put it on screen and get the episode filmed with Fujioka now around and all that stuff, so... You know, with all that said, it's a really cool design. I love the kind of skull-like face and, and the colors and the how he's um asymmetrical with the hands and and everything. And yeah, it's just just a, a an example of a really just solid monster design that that holds up really really well. I think. You know, this the the return kind of costume that they've been using. Um, in the recent movies, which I think is the same one that was in the 2000 live uh, stage show segments, you know, the 2000 concert. <laughs> With the, he looks a little bit thinner there, I think, like slightly more 
uh, emaciated in a way, but that one's pretty good. But I think the costume in the original show, it, there's just something really cool about it, and, and like I said, just perfect to me. Like, he's a perfect monster design, and uh, very iconic, and influenced a lot of later monsters. I mean, the squid undead in the, um, the Blade movie, Missing Ace, he's pretty much a, like, a direct shout-out to Devil, and yeah, just a really cool design. Great character. The memories. And what I mean by that is I honestly can't remember when I first watched this episode. I but I know that I knew about Devil a long time before I saw it. Uh I can't remember where. I must have seen pictures of him in a book or something like that, or models or something like that. But all I know is that even as a kid, before I watched the episode, like well before I got to this one, I thought he was just like one of the coolest designs ever. I mean, I've always been a big fan of squid monsters or giant squids and stuff like that. Like one of my favorite stories is 20,000 Leagues of the Sea and the, the scene where they fight the giant squid or squids or octopus, depending on the version. Um... So yeah, so I was always kind of immediately attached to him, and it's no surprise that I ended up choosing that as my online name, sort of, you know, <laughs> Japanese mistakes aside, but yeah, I don't know, it just, I guess what I mean by my number one point is is that the fact that I have such uh, kind of strong memories of, of the character, and, and it's just such an affinity for him, and, and that's why he's my favorite. I mean, it's like I've, you know, said before many times with why my favorite version of Rider 1 and 2 is the, the new version with the silver gloves and boots, or why, for me, Hakaider is the version from Kikaider Zero One, the Gil Hakaider version. Like, I just have very strong memories of those characters... Uh, and, and I guess maybe it's sort of like the equivalent of, you know, how they say your first show is sort of your secret favorite and stuff like that. Like, everyone remembers their first show, the one that got them into Kamen Rider or into Tokusatsu or whatever. And, and maybe it's not their absolute favorite, but it has a very strong place in their heart. And that's really the case with Ikadevil, I think. I just, I have this real affinity for him. Because uh, I loved him as a kid, and I still love him to this day. And I'm always kind of thrilled whenever he shows up or whenever he gets some new merchandise or something like that. Because, uh, you know, he's he's pretty famous for, among Rider villains. Like, you know, even out of all the monsters in the original show, he's still pretty well known, I would say. Because uh, it's just, it's a really fun episode. There's some really iconic moments, like the scene where Dr. Shinigami transforms into him, where he pulls the cape over his head. I'm kind of amazed that they haven't, like, recreated that, like, in, in the All Riders movie. But they did come up with the very clever Ika Debiru thing, which... <laughs> that got a chuckle, but... Yeah, I don't know. It just, again, it, it comes down to the memories and, and the impact that a, a character leaves on you, and and the fact that yeah, I can go back and watch it now, and yeah, you know, like I said, I mean, there's, there's a lot of silly things about the episode, and it is it is a wacky time, but it, it's still cool, it's still awesome, and and every time Ika Devil shows up, comes plowing up out of the ground and says, yeah, I don't know. It just it, it yeah. Every time I see that, it it just it brings a smile on my face, and it, it takes me back. 
and that is really you know what, what more can you ask for so there's my top six reasons why Devil is my personal favorite Kamen Rider monster of all time alright that just about wraps it up for this episode of Rider Break but before we finish I thought it would be fun to have a little giveaway contest since we've reached episode six and believe me I never thought this thing would get beyond one episode, let alone five or six. So this is a special contest for you loyal listeners of Rider Break, and the rules are simple. 1. Make sure you're on Twitter. 2. Make sure you're following me on Twitter. If you're already doing that, you're halfway done. 3. Sometime within the next two weeks, retweet or favorite the Twitter message for this episode's post. It's the one that will say, Rider Break. Episode 6, The Devil's in the Details. Just retweet or favorite that, and you're all set. You can do one, you can do the other, you can do both. Anyway, you're fine. So you have between July 13th and July 27th to retweet or favorite the Twitter message for this episode. And after that, I'll write down all the names, stick them in a hat, and the first three that I pull out will win some Gashapon Astro Switches. I have a couple extras that I need to do something with, so here's your chance. These will be randomly assorted from different sets, and they will all work with the Deluxe Henshin Belt if you have it. Many will enter, but only three can win. However, if this is successful, maybe I'll try another one of these in the future someday. We'll see. So remember, get on Twitter, follow me if you aren't already, and retweet or favorite the Twitter message about this episode. Rider Break, Episode 6, The Devil's in the Details. I'll make sure it's left near the top of my timeline so it's easy to find. I'm not going to have regular internet access for the next couple days, so I won't be able to answer any questions, but hopefully the directions are clear enough. And after July 27th, I'll contact the three lucky people and ask for a place to send the switches. As always, you can check out more of my stuff at egadevil.com. Please follow me on Twitter, like the Facebook page, check out the Tumblr for silly rider pictures, subscribe on iTunes, and have some squid and beer on July 15th. Good luck, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. ジェットの戦えサイクロン、サイクロン。いかで、いい。